What's going on, everybody? It is Tuesday, March 3rd, around 6 p.m. at night, and we are really getting into, uh, you know, a pretty special uh, show today. It's really our first time that we are going to dive in to the world of baseball as it is quickly approaching the regular season, and we're going to bring you some predictions and things like that. Um, I don't know about for you, but today's been a pretty uh, rough day for me, um, but uh, yeah, we're going to get into it, and uh, without further ado, let's hit that intro. Let's hit it. going on everyone welcome to sunshine state takes we are back with another episode we're actually uh got two pretty close together this time we've yeah. uh been a little not inconsistent but uh there's definitely a bit of a pause there in between some episodes but we're back we're back on a quick track bringing you the best content we can and yeah to to uh touch on what you were saying it's been a bit of a long day yeah uh you know a couple classes and uh, cap it off with this it's but uh busy days are fun days sometimes so yeah. uh it's all it's good to be here good to be recording and so uh we're gonna get this show started off as we would any other brandon what's on your mind so my uh you know my mind's kind of been scattered all day um well it hasn't really been scattered it's been focused on one general thing and that was a, a history exam that i had to take today so um you know uh my brain's kind of fried, so just bear with me if I start to stutter. It's not because, you know, right. I don't know what I'm talking about. It's just because I'm tired, and I got less than five hours of sleep last night. But um, so like I was talking about, this history exam, it was uh, it, 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 it kind of kicked my butt a little bit just having to, you know, study and uh, prepare. I um, it, it, it was rough, not going to lie, and because um, there's no multiple choice on it at all. Okay, yeah. So it's all short answer. I have to write uh -huh. an essay and stuff like that, so – um, I just really have to know. So if we want to talk about Woodrow Wilson's foreign policy or the Theodore Roosevelt and his role in U.S. history, then I can talk about that in excruciating detail and let you know. Um, but uh, so everything else is pretty much blurry. It's like the SpongeBob right. episode where we threw everything else out. That's kind yeah. of how my brain is right now. So we're hoping I can kind of bring that all back in, all my knowledge and stuff like that. Um, I had a quick nap. Um, I said about almost an hour. I don't okay. think it was quite an That's hour, solid. but um, it was enough to be able to rejuvenate me to be able to get through this so uh what about you what's on your mind uh i'm gonna uh talk about my team i ride or die with the patriots and um we're gonna save it specifically for another episode coming up but uh the quarterback position for really the first time in 20 years is the patriots biggest question and I've, i'm starting to see uh you know mild reports stirring up that andy dalton uh the bengals quarterback could be a uh potential trade candidate for the Patriots and I, I personally don't want anything to do with Andy Dalton because I don't think I don't I I kind of think Andy Dalton's been irrelevant since 2017 20 honestly 2015 uh when he got pretty much when AJ McCarron took over for Andy Dalton at the end of the 2015 season is when Andy Dalton uh kind of started to fall from 
being one of the better quarterbacks in the league because there was a time where uh, Andy Dalton was pretty darn good and uh, in part uh, a lot of the Bengals success in the earlier part of the decade was because of Dalton but he just hasn't been great uh, as of recently and this year was a uh, the biggest example of that where he only put up 16 touchdowns to 14 picks and uh, no I don't I, I wouldn't want Andy Dalton anywhere near the Patriots uh, Marcus Mariota is another guy who I've heard get brought up as someone the Patriots potentially go after. And I would much rather do that because I have watched Marcus Mariota perform well in playoff games. I've never seen Andy Dalton really been able to step up when it matters most. Um, and uh, all around, I think Mariota still has a lot to prove. I think Andy Dalton's already shown us everything we're going to see from him. So, uh, when it comes down to the two guys I've been hearing most for the Patriots, uh, Andy Dalton, Marcus Mariota, I'd rather have Mariota. Just wanted to share that. Any Patriots fans out there that want to talk on Twitter or anything, uh, we can talk about it. I'd, <laughs> I'd love to talk about that whole quarterback thing because it's such uh, an interesting concept. There was that uh, thing at the Syracuse game this weekend. Brady and Edelman and Jimmy uh, yeah. Fallon were sitting in the front, and yeah. they released like – enhanced audio of it yeah. because people are trying to read Brady's lips yeah. <laughs> because they're just desperate for answers at yeah. this point. Uh, but sure. is it next week we're going to be getting into the yes, whole Brady fiasco about, um, you know, what, if he does, sep- uh, you know, depart from the Patriots, what his landing spots might be, right. what would be a good fit for the ageless wonder of Tom Brady. So tune in for that because it's going to, it's uh, definitely one of the topics we're more excited for. I think, uh, if you listened a few weeks ago, our Philip Rivers segment, I think, is kind of a sneak peek as to what it's gonna be we're, we're going to be doing there. Uh, so, yeah, I tried to keep Brady's name out of my mouth, really, for this, because while this What's on Your Mind was about Patriots quarterbacks, it wasn't technically about him. But that's what I got. Um, yeah. Mariota over Dalton, if, it, if, if those are the options at the end of the day, and Brady does leave, uh, give me Mariota. I will also – I think I'm going to save what I want the Patriots to do should Brady leave next week. So uh, what do you got? Um, yeah, I agree with you. Andy Dalton has been kind of um, on a downhill slope ever since. I wouldn't say as far as 2015 because he was selected to the Pro Bowl in 2016 actually. That's right. But um, he did not lead them to a good record – the Cincinnati Bengals to a, uh, a solid record. They were 6-9-1 that season. Um, he started out his career kind of hot. You know, he came out of TCU – the Red Rockets slinging passes all over the field. Um, it went nine and seven his first year, ten and six, eleven and five, ten five and one, and then ten and three. But since then, he hasn't seen a winning season um, as a part of as the Bengals' starting quarterback, going six and nine, seven and nine, five and six, and then two and eleven this season before ultimately being put on. What the was their twenty eighteen record? Twenty eighteen record was five and it was his five and six. Um, I'm not hundred. That's right. Sure. Driscoll played a lot Dris- of games. Yeah, Driscoll played a lot of games for that team, and. Um, so I couldn't. I, I think it I was, was six a, and ten. I think I was a little quick uh, to not not necessarily call him irrelevant because I that that Pro Bowl did slip my mind. But I also remember the Bengals getting off to a bit of a decent start in 2018, yep. but kind of just falling apart. And then yep. Dalton got injured. But uh, so, I think overall the point still stands yep. that the uh, the production that was there in the beginning of his career just hasn't. Yeah, been yeah, there. that definitely stands. And the thing about 2018 is they were five and six with him, and then they don't. They were only. Well, it was like one and four without them. They right. went, um, I'm pretty sure they went six and 10 that season. If I, I think that's what I just said, but um, you know, he's 70, 61 and two over his career. A lot of those losses has came in the past few seasons. So 
Um, he's not the most reliable. Maybe with a, you know, in a Bill Belichick coach system, we might be able to see him um, kind of rejuvenate his career a bit. But at the same time, it's not something that um, Patriot fans would like to go from, you know, the greatest of all time to the guy that, you know, he to likes the throwing interceptions. Yeah. So. Um, I also, not not necessarily that I think this will build up any heat, and it's not really um, anyone legit saying this, but I'm, I'm seeing, you know, Patriots fans on social media uh, bringing up the possibility of Jameis Winston. And how do you I, feel about that? I don't really know. I think, I think with his uh, enhanced vision that he just got recently, I think uh, he's gonna see. He's gonna be able to tell that the jerseys are two different colors. Yeah. So uh, that he's not supposed to. If <laughs> if that's the case, uh, I'll take him. I do, I do think that if Jameis limits his turnovers, he does have the potential to be. Uh, a top 10 QB in the NFL just because he puts up the stats of top 10 QBs. I feel like it's just 30 picks needs to be 30 picks needs to, even if it's just 15, I mean, there are, there are are quarterbacks like big Ben that have gotten away with throwing a, you know, higher number of picks in seasons. I feel like, Uh, and I think Jameis, you know, maybe on a team like the Patriots, uh, you know, if 30 drops to 15 or 10, uh, yeah. you know, he's probably looking at uh, get, having a bit more respect than yeah. just losing teams by throwing four picks a game in Tampa. So I don't really know how I feel about it. No, that's that's a pretty good point you made, um, just talking about Jameis Winston and how, you know, it, it's possible that with this enhanced vision, he could probably get that down. We still saw the Buccaneers this season have success with him throwing those interceptions. It was almost like he'd go out and get his interception right off the bat, and then he'd come out and sling two touchdowns. That four-game so, win streak the Bucs were able to put on uh, to go from 3-3 three and three to 7-7 seven and seven, uh, right before that game against Houston where Winston came out and threw like another four yeah. picks, that stretch right there alone is why I uh, – Called Bruce Arians the coach of the year on yeah. that Super Bowl show just because uh, he they were able to put four wins in a row together with literally the most turnover prone quarterback we've probably ever seen. Yeah, uh, it was just really impressive to me. And just imagine how much better the Bucks would have been this year if he limits those picks. No, I, that's a hundred percent true because um, you think about it, he led the league in passing. Right. Um, he had one of the higher uh, touchdown totals. I think he was only behind Lamar Jackson. In terms of passing touchdowns. Right, well, Lamar threw 36, and that yeah. led the league. Yeah. So, Winston was there at 33. Pretty, yeah. So, um, you know, it was a, it, he was pretty close to that. And so, you saw that he could score the football. He just had issues with, you know, throwing it to the wrong team. So, uh, that that could get cut down. Maybe he'd be a good addition on the Tom Brady list Patriots if that comes to fruition. So, so. If it happens, uh, so it would definitely you, be would, something. Would you take Mariota or Winston Um. right now? I would probably go with Winston because, um, you know, despite Winston's struggles, uh, Mariota did just get benched, and I think rightfully so. I think he definitely hit a roadblock in his career. And despite 30 picks, Winston still uh, put up some pretty good numbers for what it was worth and had some pretty good performances at certain points throughout the season, he wasn't bad in all games. He put a, he put together a pretty good performance over the Seahawks in Seattle. At one point they lost in overtime. I think they, they lost another game because of a missed field goal to the giants. They were 
thought the Buccaneers were a couple bad breaks away from actually being pretty good last year. So yeah. I think I would take uh, Jameis for that reason. Yeah. So I know this has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but if Jameis was to leave the Bucks, um, where do you, where else do we think he would go? Just, just off the top of your head. Cause I don't really have a spot that would be a great fit for him. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind weird. of a weird situation. He's the weirdest free. I, he's not necessarily the biggest free agent on the market. Um, I've seen like Dak and Brady kind of get those titles, but yeah. he's definitely Dak has gotten that title. A he's lot. definitely the most interesting yeah. quarterback on the free agent market because at the end of the day, like you love to have a quarterback that can put up those numbers. Yeah. At, you know, minus the interceptions. But I was just about to get to that. You know, he he's so turnover prone. He has some off field issues and. It, really, I haven't really seen that. Not as of late. Not as of late, but there's still, you know, it's still always it's still a like, lingering thought. You think about his time uh, at FSU where he um, struggled to stay out. Because of trouble. if you're looking at Jameis Winston, he's he's only five years pro. He still has a lot of career left. He's still on the he's still a bit on the young side. Um, you know, you're you're looking at a guy that you're going to have lead your franchise for a while. You're obviously, I, I think, and especially if you're Jameis and you have that history of off-field issues, I think it is going to be looked at Yeah. because you don't want a complete goofball yeah. uh, leading your team. Because I, I do think uh, with the right tools, Jameis Winston can be uh, pretty dangerous at times. Yeah. And you saw, once again, what he was able to do is it was because, in part, to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Brashad Perriman, he, 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 was, he put up some good numbers with that receiving core, so... <laughs> Um, it, it, it really all depends. I, I couldn't tell you where I think he'd go. That's yeah. just, I, I think definitely an interesting spot, mm-hmm. a very under the radar spot, especially if, uh, the guy they have now doesn't really find a firm footing could be like Buffalo, yeah. you know? Uh, See, I like Josh Allen. Um, yeah, I, I do that, too. I think that he's solid. I think he provides a little bit of fire to that Buffalo team. So I don't know. I but Jameis provides a little yeah, fire too. And yeah, when when he's when he's going, when he's uh, thirty three touchdowns yeah. will provide more fire than I don't know how many Josh Allen threw this year. But yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't a spectacular number by any means. But I just think I don't know. He he. We can't say that Josh Allen isn't right. The I feel like right now you can't really take him out of that spot yeah. just because, I mean, they just went to the playoffs last season. Exactly. He, he didn't I'm, have a great year, but at the same time, he didn't throw 30 interceptions. I'm I, I just saying in terms of where Jameis could possibly fit, Yeah, I think that could be an interesting one because yeah. um, I, I, I think there's a solid group of receivers there. He'd be paired up with a pretty good defense. Yeah. Uh, I think that that's in part to what cost the Bucks a few games last year. Yeah, for uh, sure. And uh, Josh Allen – had some bad performances that the Bills as a team were able to win. So, yeah. uh, no, I think Jameis is definitely an intriguing uh, yeah. person to be able to, for teams to look at. You know, he's a guy that can sling the ball over the, all over the yard, and he, um, you know, makes big plays um, on occasion. He's which, he's very athletic. Yeah, he's he, in terms of talent. He's it's there. He's there. there. He can he can play. It's just. He's just got some block in his head. It's like instead of yeah. a brain, he just has a building block for <laughs> a brain, and that's that's when he goes stupid in overtime and throws pick sixes to end games. Yeah. You know, it's it's just uh, he he just needs someone to work with him. Yeah, no, I I think that if he cuts down the turnovers and he somehow stays in Tampa with Bruce Arians and that offense, 
Um, if they can keep the, you know, core pieces like um, Rashad Perryman and, you know, right. along with Mike Evans and uh, Chris Godwin and the emergence of OJ Howard, who we saw um, get healthy at the end of last season, I think that the Bucks could be a serious contender to go into the playoffs next season in an NFC South that's kind of open for the taking. You're having Atlanta kind of start to get, you know, uh, they're starting to right. uh, having to go through a rebuild. You're seeing the Panthers get in a new head coach from co- the college ranks, also a uh, offensive coordinator from the college ranks, and Joe Brady and Matt Rule. Right. And then you're also seeing the Saints have a you know what seems to, might be the last two raw for um, you know Drew Brees and that team. So on top of that, with the Panthers, they don't know what they're doing at quarterback. Yeah, I, yeah. Mean, I think they're going to keep Cam. I think they're. Uh, I would like to see Cam get would another too. shot. It it would honestly be really cool to see Cam go to another team. I just yeah. feel like Cam and Carolina has gotten kind of stale. Yeah, it's, I think it's not as even after 2015. It just the fun and electric, the electric atmosphere of Cam Newton, I think, kind of wore off after yeah. he lost that Super Bowl. And honestly, I think part of it is really because he didn't dive for that football at yeah. the end of that Super Bowl. I think that kind of made people like, all right, come on, Cam, this is a Super Bowl, and he ain't out here trying. Like yeah. that's your last chance you got at winning that game. Yeah. And I, I think uh, so. I would like to see Cam Newton personally go somewhere else. Yeah. And uh, kind of just restart, yeah. you know. But if he. Uh, if he stays in Carolina, that'll be good too because I think um, Cam's still got a bit in the tank, especially if he's healthy. I think he's taken a lot of injuries, so I don't know how much longer he'll play for. Yeah. but uh, He's definitely taken a brunt of some um, pretty big hits as a bigger quarterback, and he doesn't really get as many uh, you know calls that a more, I'd say, prototypical quarterback would get because, you know, he's built – like he's a linebacker. He's so. like, yeah, I, I was just about to say, honestly, he's like the Gronk – he's like the Gronk version of quarterbacks, yeah. you know, just a guy who the physical talent is off the walls and is built like he could be the best at his position. And we've seen flashes of him being a phenomenal player. And uh, those are all things Gronk has achieved. But I'm yeah. talking in terms of injuries and just how it could really shorten yeah. a career. Yeah. I think Cam, and when it gets talked about, like, cause you hear like, uh, Barry Sanders. I almost said Bernie Sanders, dude. I told myself <laughs> not to because I think I did that last week. Yeah. And um, so like Barry Sanders, um, Patrick Willis, yeah. Rob Gronkowski, uh, even Luke Keekley now. The, Andrew Luck's another one they'll talk about. But uh, you see examples of guys retiring early at all those other positions all the time. Yeah. But you never really see it at quarterback. Yeah. Uh, like it. I said, uh, yeah. Andrew Luck also. But. Yeah. See, I, I kind of respect that, though. They, yeah. They're taking into account that, you know, there's more to life outside of football and right. they're willing to, you know, instead of continue to take that beating and that, uh, you know, physical strain that football puts you through, they're right. kind of moving on into the next chapter of their lives. And I think, uh, you know, while um, as a fan, you want to see right. the best of the best players like Luke Keekley and Andrew Luck and people like that stay in the league for as long as they possibly can. At the end of the day, it's all about what you're going to do 20 years from now right. and not what you're going to do in the moment. Um, one more thing I want to say about Cam before we move on. Um, I think we're going to take a quick break before we get into the MLB um, season preview, just so we can have time to be able to talk about it in in uh, full detail. But, um, you know, I think like you, you were talking about Cam moving on from the Panthers. I can see where that would be good for him. But at the same time, you know, you're kind of getting a new regime and it could be a fresh start for him. And, you know, um, he has some weapons around him, right. including, uh, you know, Christian McCaffrey and uh, some young up-and-coming receivers and I just think you know he gets in that um what seems 
like it's going to be a more college right. style, what he kind of excelled at in at Auburn. Um, and even at, in the beginning of his pro career, he kind of, um, you know, was, uh, you know, running the ball a lot and being able to um, drop back and sling it deep. And, you know, maybe he'll find success with Joe Brady as his offensive coordinator. Maybe Joe Brady will bring that magic he brought to LSU last season. And we're going to be able to see Cam Newton make some of the athletic plays that Joe Burrow made and also sling the ball down the field. Um, but I think that really relies on is his shoulder. 100%. Yeah, I was just about to say that. At the end of the day, that's it's all about pretty much injuries. the deciding factor. If he can factor. stay healthy, he can be a solid player for. Carolina. I don't doubt that. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I don't. It's not to me. It doesn't really matter where he goes. I think. I think I would watch and root for him anywhere. I've never. He's two and zero against the Patriots, which I kind of uh, dislike him for in some regards. He just for whatever reason has gone Iron Man when he's played the Patriots both times in his career. Uh, but other than that, he's a guy I root for. Yeah. I like him. I like Cam. So uh, I think we're gonna. He's a he, he went to Florida for a few to years. a break. <laughs> if uh, if if you find our uh, QB discussions to be intriguing, then uh, we just plugged it a few minutes ago. Tune in next week because uh, it's probably going to be the most in depth we ever go with quarterbacks yeah. all around. Yeah. So uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with some MLB for sure. Let's get it. And we're going to get into what we believe to be some predictions for the MLB season. You know, opening day is just a few weeks away, and we have a pretty intriguing season this year. Um, you know, some good teams are uh, starting to step up. Uh, we're seeing some rosters form, and, you know, spring training is in full effect right now. So, um, Matt, do you want to get us started? Yeah, um, so it's been, it's been a pretty eventful offseason. I thought there's been uh, some really intriguing moves, uh, a lot of questions about a lot of teams. Coming into this season, uh, you know, uh, we've had the Astros cheating fiasco. So it, it's it's really interesting as we enter this new baseball season because there's a lot of storylines. So uh, what, what we're going to kind of do here today, uh, at, at least I, I'm going to go and give kind of a quick preview of uh, the divisions. And I'm going to let you know who we think is going to win what, who's going where how some of it's going to shape up, who's the best at what position, uh, you know, kind of stuff like that. So uh, I, I, I want to start with the NL East here uh, because this is where both of our favorite teams reside, yeah. the New York Mets and the Atlanta Braves. And uh, the reason I want to start here is because this is what I think uh, – those are the two teams I think the division comes down to this year. Uh, the defending champion Washington Nationals are in the NL East, but – um, I think the loss of Anthony Rendon is going to hurt them a bit more than people might think. Rendon was really a workhorse, and yeah. uh, um, guys like Juan Soto, uh, I think are phenomenal. Juan Soto's a stud, stud outfielder for the Nationals, but I think that loss of Rendon just leaves a little too big of a gap. Uh, Rendon was getting chance for MVP. He was in the MVP polls toward late. You know, I think he was like the third runner-up or something. He had a phenomenal year. That's going to be hard to uh, uh, fill. So I think that's going to hurt the Nationals a little bit. I don't really see 
the Phillies being great this year. So um, I, I, I do think this division really comes down to the Mets and Braves. I think they're the two most complete teams. So um, for every division, instead of going through each individual team, because we don't have all day, yeah. uh, I've broken each division down into best pitching, best bullpen, best outfield, best infield, and catchers. Yeah. Kind of just to uh, see what I think is the best in what spot. So um, for the NL East, uh, my best pitching staff goes to the Mets. Um, I, uh, I I do think this one is uh, – I, I think it speaks for itself. I think the Mets yeah. – uh, I think the Mets pitching staff is the best in all of baseball. It's highlighted by Jacob deGrom, Noah Syndergaard, Stephen Matz, um, Marco Stroman, uh, Rick Porcello, Michael Waka. So there's a lot of depth there. Uh, DeGrom's the two-time uh, Cy Young winner. Noah Syndergaard's the hardball, fast thrower. He could he t- hits 100 consistently. He'll blow right past you. Marcus Stroman, filled to the top with energy. He can go out, give you seven good innings. Uh, Porcello, former Cy Young winner. Uh, he, he's had his inconsistencies, but for the most part, still good. Michael Waka, uh, it's, it's, uh, he's a, a little bit of years removed from uh, when he was good. Uh, and then Steven Matz, obviously. So uh, I uh, as for the bullpen, I think the Mets are going to have the best bullpen. Uh, the best outfield, and this is where we can get into your guy, uh, uh, highlighted by Ronald Acuna, I think the Braves have the best outfield in this division. And I think we should just take a second to talk about that Braves outfield because it, it really is good. And it, it, it's highlighted by Ronald Acuna along with uh, Marcelo Zuna, Ender Inciarte, Nick Marcakis, and Adam Duvall. That, that's a top outfield in baseball, yeah. and uh, it's one that can single-handedly uh, win you games. And I, I know you're a, a pretty big fan of Acuna. Uh, how, how do you see his year shaping out? Um, well, honestly, I have him as the NL MVP. Okay. Um, I uh, think that he's going to, you know, he's be- he's already begun to emerge as one of the best young players in the MLB in general. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you can agree with that or not. I, I, um, I definitely would agree with you. But, yeah, it's his third year, so this is the time for him to take a jump, and I think that this year he takes that jump. He's uh, um, had a chance to be able to see uh, yet another good year, um, you know, in his – uh, what would his junior season and he could honestly you know push Atlanta deep into the playoffs because this Atlanta team is one of the most uh, youthful youth youthfully talented teams I, that yeah, in the MLB sure. in general so um, I, I think that um, on the heels of you know or on the back of uh, Acuna they could really see some success not just during the regular season but also come postseason time and even into October right uh, so we're we're gonna go and like I said Acuna uh, that's a top five player to watch in baseball this year. I think, yeah. I think he's only getting better. Uh, we're going to jump to the NL West real quick. Cause I'm going to go ahead and give you my NL MVP. So okay. the, the NL West is going to be a snooze fest for the Dodgers. They have this division one easily. The Dodgers top to bottom are, I think, are, I think they're going to be the best team record wide in baseball this year. I agree. I have them going 104 and 58. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a really good record. It's I, I think in terms of wins, it's a bit bold to ever predict a team to go that high, just because winning 104 games in baseball is a hard thing to do. But I, I think especially with the addition of Mookie Betts, who is my NL MVP by the way, yeah, okay. um, the Dodgers can do it. And yeah. I was so I was I was thinking him. Um, I don't know, 
you know, with the new team change and everything. I don't know. So I am not, uh, uh, you know, baseball guru by any means. I'm trying to learn it. I'm trying to really get into it. Never been big baseball guy, but, um, you know, this season I've been trying to, you know, at least this spring training, I've been trying to pay more attention. Um, So, but I just think because of the change of teams, change of scenery, um, while it could give him a little bit of a boost, I'm just not 100% sure about how, um, early on in the season, he will, will adjust. I don't know if it has much um, of standing in baseball in terms of you know it definitely teams and does. Stuff. I so, mean, um, uh, superstition's a big thing among baseball players. Yeah. And while uh, there's obviously nothing statistic statistical here, uh, yeah. just there are probably so many routines and things he's developed in Boston and being in that locker room that you know he's kind of going to have to rediscover some yeah. of that stuff. So in I, LA. I, I think he might get off to a slow start. Um, he might. He's obviously. Um, uh, once again, on top of Acuna, one of the better young players in the entire MLB, and I think uh, he's going to have a great season when it hit things start when he starts hitting form. But um, he could struggle out of the gates a bit, and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that. Yeah, uh, overall, I, I just love Mookie Betts. I loved him as a Red Sox. Um, he, he's he's top to bottom a great player. He he's really uh, productive on offense. He can win you games. He's a great defensive player. Yeah. Um, uh, the Dodgers, I couldn't believe when I heard this trade got announced because it's just like, what the heck? Like how much more do the Dodgers need? They literally, like, I I can't think of a bigger blockbuster trade I've seen than this one because it literally puts uh, a top five player in baseball on one of the, arguably the best team. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. uh, just to yeah. highlight the NL West there, I think it's the Dodgers division and yeah. to give my NL MVP, I'm going to give you Mookie Betts. Yeah, no, I think Mookie Betts, uh, takes that Dodgers team. Like I said, once he gets into form, I think he takes them to the next step. You know, we've seen in recent years of them, uh, in 2018 getting to the world series and kind of, um, faltering when they did. But, um, after since then, uh, you know, they haven't been it, they've been, you know, good, but they, have seen you know last year they saw an earlier exit than they had um, wanted going into the uh, going into October, but I think Mookie Betts can give them that chance to be able to get back to the World Series. We're going right. to get into our World Series um, picks in just a little bit, but for now I think that uh, we could honestly see the Dodgers wind up there right. once again if Mookie Betts can really you know on top of guys like Cody Bellinger and some of the more ta- some of the talented players already on that Dodgers team. That Dodgers team it's, is just incredibly stacked. stacked. It's unbelievable how good that team is. I don't yeah. I don't like the Dodgers at all being a Mets fan, but I, I was just like, wow, their team. It's yeah. it's so it's, it's just very good. It's rightfully so. Like they it's no it's no fluke that that team wins a hundred games year in, year out. They're phenomenal. And it's a shame because they probably got cheated out of a ring. So, um, but I, uh, the, the whole Houston Astros thing is a thing for another time. I don't know if I said my NL East winner, um, but I am, I'm going to be a little biased. I am going to go with the Mets, uh, 93 and 69 for them. Um, that, that is in part, uh, really, uh, because I said their pitching staff and bullpen are both the best in their division. That's honestly part of it. Uh, and on top of that, they got guys like Pete Alonzo and, uh, yeah, that's right. Go Gator, former Gator. Uh, (laughs) Also, former NL Rookie of the Year, yep. uh, Jeff McNeil, Ahmed Rosario, uh, Joanna Cespedes might be back healthy. Michael Conforto, oh. they have all those guys on offense. Uh, so, 
Um, I just think the Mets are going to be the best team in that division this year. I think they have the most complete team. Uh, the NL Central, I think, is probably going to be one of the weaker divisions. Just all Can I say something about the NL East real quick? Yeah, you got it. Um, not trying to be a homer or anything, but, um, you know, uh, I just think the Braves are so young and they're so yeah. energetic and they're so, you know, they just have so much. Um, they're pointing in the right direction. And I think, uh, you know, we see as the uh, year kind of wears on, maybe that they could give them a little bit more juice to maybe overpower the Mets. I do think it'll be a closer division than a lot of the other divisions this season um, between the Mets and the Braves. I'm not going to go out and say the Braves are going to win the division, but I definitely do think they could give the Mets a bit of a run for their money uh, later on in the year and, Hopefully they can win the division as I'm getting into baseball. So they won it last year. Yeah, uh, they were very good last year. And yeah. honestly, the Braves have had the Mets number for a while. It's just kind of one of those things where the Mets, uh, you know, at least for the past few years, really haven't been able to find an answer for uh, that just insane offensive production from guys yeah. like Acuna and Freddie Freeman. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the Mets finally can combat that this year because. Um, where the Mets have lacked in the past few years is say, uh, at least up until last year, they haven't been great offensively. And that's how the Braves were able to win a lot of their games is, you know, they're going to score seven or eight runs. Uh, and I think this is the year the Mets can finally match that and maybe start stealing a couple of those games where maybe the Braves jump out to like a four nothing lead and they have the firepower to match it. And that's not just with the Braves that's with, um, other teams that they're going to have to go up against too. I think this is finally the year where the Mets, uh, and once again, you know, teams like the Dodgers and Yankees have been able to do this. It's uh, consistently come back from some of the bigger deficits. Yeah. You know, you fall down 3-0 in the first three innings and you got the firepower to make it 7-3 by the sixth. Yeah. I think the Mets finally have a team that can do that this year. And that's kind of that along with the rotation, their pitching rotation and bullpen is, is just why my expectations are so high for them this year. Yeah. So um, it could be the Mets. It could be the Braves. And I like, like I said, I, I think the Mets are going to win this division with ninety th- with ninety three wins. Well, who's to say that does happen? But the Braves go out and win ninety seven. You know, yeah. the, there's always the chance the Braves have that good of a year. Yeah, um, so they're definitely exciting. So they're, uh, right. they're an interesting team to keep an eye on. Yeah, no. One of the things you're going to learn as uh, you really get into baseball is it. it you, it's so hard to predict. It's 162 yeah. games. You know. You got a different pitcher on the mound for your team every game. Yeah. It's it's just so many things. It's it's really hard to predict. Yeah. So, um, but you know we're out here trying because that's what we, we try to give you the best content. So, hopefully we can give you uh, at least a better idea of the world of baseball coming in. Yeah. So uh, I'm gonna skim through the NL Central because, uh, like I said, uh, I think it's gonna be one of the more boring divisions. Um, one, the intro, the one thing I did, uh, say that I do think is a little bold is I said the Cincinnati Reds have the best pitching staff in that division. And that's because they've acquired guys like, uh, Trevor Bauer, who was a really reliable pitcher for the Indians. And I think he really bolsters, uh, that rotation, but I, I think this is the Cardinals division. Once again, uh, you know, you got guys like Paul Goldschmidt and Matt Carpenter in the infield and you have a pretty good pitching staff. Uh, so I like the Cardinals to repeat. I think they're going to go 90 and 72. Um, the Cardinal they, they did lose Marcelo Ozuna, who the Braves actually got. He's a good power hitting outfielder. So um, that, that might hurt the Cardinals, but I think they still have a good enough team all around to outlast the Brewers. And uh, I think the Cubs are starting to fall off a little bit from what was, you know, a good three to four years of uh, not necessarily dominance, but, 
uh, heightened success. Uh, so I, I think the I think this is a division that's open for the Cardinals to win. Yeah. Um, you have any thoughts there? The Brewers with Christian Yelich. Yeah. Uh, I, I was thinking the Brewers. I think uh, – how are the Cubs looking this season? Um. Well, I was just saying I think they're kind of beginning their they're, they're uh, fall. They didn't make the playoffs ball. last year for the first time since 2015. Yeah. So um, I don't think their pitching rotation is great. Yeah. Um, for them, uh, you know, they have a good infield with Rizzo and Chris Bryant. Yeah. I actually really want to touch on Anthony Rizzo's mic'd up. Uh, thing yesterday a, a bit towards the end of the show yeah because there, there was a clip in there that I actually thought was super interesting that I want to touch on uh so once again my three that's the what I sent you right right the, um, the where he says someone bang for me yeah, but there's something else he said in there okay. that was I, I was kind of just like wow like that like uh but I'll get to that in a second okay. I'll leave you on a, cl- a little cliffhanger all right okay so um <laughs> my division winners for uh, the National League are the Mets, Cardinals, Dodgers, and then my wild cards are the Braves and D-backs. So the Braves, uh, I think, are still going to have a playoff spot. And the Diamondbacks, I think, have a good team. They just acquired Madison Bumgarner, who's been a reliable pitcher in San Francisco for years. Yeah. It's also just been revealed that he uh, does rodeos under a fake identity. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, let me try. Let me see if I can find this. Uh I did not see that. I'm That's gonna, interesting. Yeah, I, I, I think what a pastime. CBS Sports is a really good Instagram account because they post a lot of random facts about athletes that you just might not know. Yeah. Um, for example, uh, I w- I was trashing Andy Dalton a bit earlier, but they did post this picture about how Andy Dalton actually, well, he hasn't really been en- better than a lot of these guys, but. Um, since 2011, he put up 31,500 yards, 204 touchdowns, and 70 wins, which is, uh, you know, not too far off from guys like Big Ben and Aaron Rodgers. Like in terms of yardage, he's even only like 8,000 behind Brady. So, uh, CBS Sports really points out some in- interesting things. And uh, the only reason I bring that up is that's because that's where I saw this Bumgarner post. Yeah. So I'm trying to find it, but I I can't remember what the the name was i, I want to see it because it's funny i don't get why uh let's see i wonder if it'll come is out. it real does he oh, actually do it yeah did he come out and say he did it yeah here it is really? the first thing that popped up yeah see see uh the first article okay madison Bumgarner uses a fake name to regularly participate in rodeos diamondback said they were unaware <laughs> uh let's see Matt uh, Mason Saunders is the name he uses. Oh. So uh, that's that's a little interesting fact. What about Madison Bumgarner? And uh, that's a big addition to their uh, rotation. So um, uh, I, I think the Braves and D-backs are your um, wild, wild card. cards. There you go. Thank you for that. Um, in the AL East, I got the Yankees winning. I think they're going to win a hundred. I think they're going to crack a hundred wins. The Yankees are going to be very hundred two in sixty. I want to talk about the Yankees. Um, in terms of pitching, they're going to be without Luis Severino for the whole year, and they're going to start the season without James Paxton. So um, while the addition of Cole helps, I think that pitching staff is going to be a little weak for the beginning of the season. But I think their bullpen's good, and obviously, uh, even outside of Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton, they have a lot of good offensive pieces to yep. still be one of the better teams in the league despite missing all those guys. That's what – at the end of the day, that's just what makes the Yankees so dangerous. They their their team is just full of weapons. Uh, their farm system's really good, and because of it, 
they're always good. They always have pieces they can call up. They always have depth. Even that pitching staff is, uh, even though I think the Mets are better than it, I think the Yankees are a top five pitching staff in baseball, and they have a lot of depth. Uh, but with that being said, Jacob DeGrom is better than Garrett Cole, Yankees fans. I don't want to hear it. Um, I do think the Yankees are going to win that division, but the Rays are going to be close behind. Uh, the Rays have a really good team, and uh, they're always fun to watch. They they actually have a really good pitching rotation. I was very tempted to say the Rays have a better pitching staff than the Yankees, uh, but I, I just sat back for a second and thought, well, if when, when healthier, this Yankees rotation is better. So the Rays, I think, will have a better year pitching to start, but uh, when the Yankees get their guys back, they'll – be on fire yeah. on all cylinders yeah. in the AL Central. Can I talk about that yeah. real quick? I think the Yankees are going to be um, pretty solid this season. I really think it relies on their, um, you know, how they can stay healthy. Last season, they were kind of plagued by injuries. They had a lot of injuries, they, they and we're did. still and, able to and, get to the ALCS. Yes, yeah. That's but right. at the they still going into this season, they still are seeing injuries pop up. Like you said, um, Luis Severino yeah, is already Severino's out. already out for the rest of the season. We're seeing guys. Get off to, you know, Aaron Judge is out at the moment with a shoulder injury. You know, there's some guys that um, are going to play big roles throughout the stretch of the season. It's a long season in the MLB, but you still need those players to be able to right. win some games. And, um, you know, maybe they're out for a little bit longer and the Rays can kind of sneak in there and take yeah. that division. But um, when healthy, the Yankees are not just the best team in that division, but one of the best teams in the entire MLB. Yeah, so. exactly. And uh, uh, just that duo of Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton alone – makes them uh really dangerous yeah so just top to bottom it's a uh i thought that them signing dj lemayhu last year to play second base was just an unbelievably good signing because by the time the end of the season came around he was getting mvp votes kind of just a guy they signed uh to fill a void maybe some depth and he ended up being uh very good he came from the rockies so the yankees have a, a very good team all around and uh you know, they're another one of those teams, you know, where they cheated out of, yeah. uh, you know, potentially going a bit farther. Aaron Judge thinks so. Aaron Judge does think so. <laughs> uh, AL Central. Uh, the Twins are going to win this division, I think. Um, the Twins just have such a good team. Um, they have guys like Miguel Sano playing first base. They got Byron Buxton, Eddie Rosario in uh, the outfield. Uh, Jose Barrios is a good pitcher. Uh, just top to bottom, this is a team that, uh, is going to go out. They're going to win a lot of games. Uh, they got good pitching. Uh, they have they have a solid bullpen. Uh, they they won a hundred games last year. I don't think they're going to quite reach that that top. Or I don't think they're going to top that. I don't think they're going to hit that. Um, I got ninety five and sixty seven for them. And then another team I just want to touch on for a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to uh, go too deep into them. Or I don't think they're going to be that good. Not. Okay, I'm. Let's see. I, not that I don't. I don't think they're going to be bad. It's a team on the rise, pretty much, and this is okay. the Chicago White Sox. I I just could not think how to word that for yeah, a yeah, second. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so the White Sox are like the Braves, just not by any means in the same place as the Braves are yet. Are another are another one of those teams that, uh, you know, the name of the game for them is youth, and so uh, Yoan Makata or Moncada is a very good third baseman. He's very young. He's got a lot of potential. And then in uh, in the outfield, they got Eloy Jimenez, who's another really good young prospect. And then their rotation's actually looking uh, pretty solid. Not not a rotation that's going to go ahead 
and, you know, put up crazy numbers, but one that that'll be solid and maybe keep the White Sox in contention for a little bit of the season. They got guys like Lucas Giolito, Dallas Keuchel, and Gio Gonzalez. That's a pretty solid top three to have there. So uh, just a little shout out to the White Sox, maybe not this year, but in a few years, they're another one of those teams like the Reds. Um, They're ready to start competing to an extent, but they're still a few years away from really being a, a threat or yeah. a contender. Yeah. And then in the AL West, are, um, are the, the Indians are in the AL Central. Correct? Yeah. Um, um, I like the Indians. I don't know um, about their pitching. Uh, you know, I, I don't think they that, just created, they just traded Glory Kluber to, yeah, the, to the, to uh, the Rangers. Rangers. So I, I'm not sure um, how they're going to be able to do with that. But I think that the, they have a solid they, team they have, all around. Yeah, Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez, uh, Carlos Santana, uh, Cesar Hernandez, and then they just acquired Seattle, uh, the Domingo Santana from the Seattle Mariners. Right. So um, I think they have a pretty good. Um, they're, they're pretty good in the field um, defensively, but I don't know what they're going to be able to do at the mound. Um, I'm not 100 percent sure about their, uh, you know, how they play at bat, or but. They're they're pretty good offensively. Yeah. I mean, uh, Francisco Lindor is a. I know Lindor is a power guy. Yeah. I wasn't um, sure about the you know that in depth though. So. Jose Ramirez is good. Yeah, uh, Carlos Santana is good. I'm pretty sure Carlos Santana was in the home run derby last year, uh, which also means he was an all star. Yeah, so he he's a good reliable player. Like I said, the Indians uh, World Series appearance in 2016. They've been they've been very good yeah. for the past few years. I just think the Twins have caught up to them a little bit, and the Twins have kind of passed them. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, the Indians will make noise, I think. I don't see any reason why they won't. They'll still be good. But I think the loss of Kluber hurts them. And I do, too. They're going to be without Mike Clevenger for a little bit, who's another good uh, – another one of their good starting pitchers. So yeah. uh, I think it's going to be a bit of a uh, take uh, take a step back year for mm-hmm. Cleveland. They're just they're, – they're not going to be bad, but they're not going to be, uh, you know, like what they've been for the past – few years yeah uh so we get into the als al west now which is i think the most interesting division because this is where the astros reside and kind of looking at these predictions you know the whole story with the astros is have they only been winning because of their sign stealing cheating scandal and i'm i'm sitting here looking through the astros roster and it's so hard to make that decision because you're looking through and it's like, well, you got Alex Bregman, you got Jose Altuve, you got Carlos Correa. They're really good players, but they were involved in that scandal. So for me, it was kind of what decision do I lean here? Do I go the cheating way or the, uh, you know, they're a good player way. And I, I lean there. I lean the good player way. So I have the Astros winning uh, that division 97 and 65, just because at the end of this day, their roster still is what it is. It's very, it's stacked. They can score runs. Well, um, at least they've been able to. That's why it's such an interesting year for the Astros um, is because the the expectations are high. It's going to be, are they good even without this sign stealing? But uh, until I see that they're just not a good team, uh, they're still the best team in that division and one of the best teams in all of baseball. So I got the Astros winning. Uh, the Rays and Athletics are my wild cards for the AL. Oh, it seems like the Athletics sneak in there as a wild card. Yeah, <laughs> they just can never win it. Yeah. Uh, they have a really good team. Um, Nolan Arenado for the Rockies is like by far the best third baseman in baseball. But uh, 
you got a Matt Chapman's a third baseman for the athletics. Who's really up there. I really like Matt Chapman. Um, I think he brings a lot to the plate and he brings a lot to the third base position. He can make some really good plays. Their pitching staff is usually always solid. Uh, They got guys like Mike fires in there. Um, Their bullpen wasn't great last year, but it started showing improvement. Uh, So I I think it'll be better this year. And because of it, uh, they'll still be able to float around and win some games. So I like the athletics. They're always a good pick. Um, not necessarily to go far, but to make it. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of the seasonal preview. Um, I think it's time to get into our AL MVPs now. Yeah, and so then we, touched we can on go our, from there yeah, we, to the World Series. Yeah, we touched on our NL MVP. Um, and our AL MVP, this guy um, that I have, he's you know he has a bit of a health concern, but uh, when talented or when uh, healthy, he's definitely one of the more talented players. Um, not just uh, at bat, but in the right field as well. And that's uh, Yankees right fielder Aaron Judge. Yeah. Um, you know, he's uh, has shown since coming into the league that, you know, he can he can hit the home run ball. I think he has 110 on his career. Yeah. Um, and he, he plays um, – he's very explosive, at, um, you know, at the plate. And I think, um, you know, if he can uh, get that shoulder issue and, um, you know, get it corrected – so that he can move into the season and, uh, you know, stay healthy throughout, then we could see a historic year from him. Um, just at, you know, playing uh, on offense. So. Yeah. I don't doubt it. He's always a, uh, he, he's always going to be a good pick, uh, to win the MVP. Um, for my AL MVP, I'm going to go with Mike Trout. Yeah. It's a really simple pick, but it's. I was thinking about Mike Trout cause you know, he's always consistent. Mike he's Trout is the best. There. He's yeah. the thing with him is he's just, there's not really an argument for it either. Um, you know, in sports like football, like, you know, people don't, and not, I'm not saying they have to, but you know, maybe not everyone widely accepts that like uh, Brady's the goat or in yeah. basketball, not everyone widely accepts that like LeBron or Jordan is the goat, yeah. but it, it kind of just seems like everyone in the baseball world, just, I, I just feel like everyone knows that like, Mike Trout is just the best player yeah. in the world right now. Yeah. And there's everyone no has a certain close. degree there, of respect for there's Mike just Trout. that respect there. You yeah. know, like I, they know who he is. They know what he's capable of. Uh, so yeah. he's my AL MVP. He's going to have another good year again. Um, no reason why he won't hit 40 home runs. Yeah. Uh, he, he should be able to do that probably upwards of like hundred RBIs. So mm-hmm. he's going to break out again. Yeah. His average will probably be somewhere in like the three thirties, three forties. If you know, he's really playing his best. So yeah. um, as for the Cy Youngs, yeah. uh, you want to go ahead and start with who you got there. Um, so to start, I'm going to start with the AL. Um, I have another Yankees star locking up the uh, AL Cy Young and that's with Garrett Cole. Um, I just think that, uh, um, you know, he most recently played for the Astros in 2018 and 2019. Um, he has a 35 and 10 record in the AL versus a 59 and 42 record in the NL. Mm-hmm. Um, he, uh, you know, he, the move to the Yankees could be a good spot, uh, spotlight for him to be able to claim that Cy Young. And, you know, this season he's projected, uh, to have an ERA of, uh, 324 and the 14 and six, uh, and he's age 29. So I think he has the experience. He can yeah. go in, play well. And, um, you know, I think he could at least be, um, twenty and five this season, maybe twenty one and four. Yeah. Um, you know, it just depends on how that game falls. But yeah, uh, twenty wins is definitely a lot, but it's achievable. We've seen yeah. it happen before with guys like Rick Porcello. 
Uh, so it'll be interesting. Um, I think we're actually going to uh, take a quick break and then we're going to finish up this baseball preview and get into a few more topics we have. Yes, sir. Uh, all right, guys, welcome back to Sunshine State Takes. We're in the middle, but closer towards the end of our uh, what ended up being a bit of a lengthy baseball review. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead. Brandon just gave his AL Cy Young, uh, Garrett Cole. I'm going to go ahead and give mine. I got uh, Blake Snell. I, I, I think Blake Snell is going to be able to take his crown back this year. He won the Cy Young in 2018. He went 21-5 with a 1.89 ERA and 221 strikeouts. Uh, he was hurt in 2019, and it showed a little bit, 6-8, 4.29 ERA, which isn't great. Uh, but, you know, the Rays still had a good enough team where it didn't hurt him too much. But, uh, you know, at this point, Snell's had a full offseason um, to recover. He had, uh, you know, a good stretch of time to kind of, uh, you know, come back from his injury last year. Even if he didn't perform great, he was getting the reps back up. And uh, so I, I expect to uh, see Blake Snell firing on all c- cylinders this year. And, uh, you know, you saw it in 2018. Uh, when he, when he's at his best from what we've seen, uh, he's the best pitcher in the AL. So if he gets back to that point, um, the only pitcher in baseball that'll, uh, be better than him is a guy who we're about to get into, uh, our NL MVP or not MVPs, our NL Cy Youngs. Uh, Brandon, you want to go ahead and take that one away? Yeah. So, uh, me and Matt actually have a consensus pick on this NL, uh, Cy Young uh, award winner and that is the um Mets pitcher Jacob deGrom and um you know I was gonna get into it a little bit but since this is Matt's team uh I will let him kind of talk a little bit more about that yeah so uh so uh in 2017 uh it was just a year the Mets really struggled and deGrom especially got off to a bit of a bad start that year and there's a clip of him crying in the dugout after he just got lit up by the Texas Rangers in a game. And it kind of seemed like from that point forward, uh, something kind of just clicked with Jacob DeGrom. And he had a really good finish to the 2017 season. Uh, he, he went 15-10 and 10 with a 3.53 ERA. And a little bit of that is a result of his bad start because there was a stretch where he was just really good. And he carried that momentum into 2018 where um, he, he went 10-9, and nine, but uh, and we can get into this if you want, but I think pitchers' wins and losses is a stupid stat. So um, I personally don't like to look at it, but I'll say that he went 10-9, and nine, but he had a 1.70 ERA and 269 strikeouts. Uh, he was just by far the best pitcher in baseball, and it really sucked because um, the Mets could never get him a lot of run support. So he lost a lot of games and or got uh, a no decision on a lot of games because he would pitch well for seven innings. The game would be two nothing and the bullpen would blow it and tie it. So that's really been the story of DeGrom's career. And it happened again last year in 2019, 11 and eight with a 2.43 ERA. Uh, So a bit of a drop off from his 2018 season, but his 2018 season was literally perfection. So there was bound to be some kind of drop off. Um, no, but once again, Degrom was out there. He was carving 
uh, batters up. He was sitting people down. He was reliable all season outside of, once again, he got off to a bit of a slow start in 2019, but uh, it wasn't long before he was himself again. And, you know, pretty much by June, July, the Cy Young was his to lose. He was just going on a tear. So uh, I fully expect DeGrom, and I don't see why DeGrom can't win a third straight Cy Young. You know, Max Scherzer is good. Max Scherzer is going to put up a fight. Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw is always good. He's always going to have a shot. Um, Madison Bumgarner, maybe. But I, I think this is really DeGrom's award. Uh, I don't see anyone that's going to have a better year than him. Uh, so that, that's our uh, – those that that's our Cy Young, and that's pretty much our baseball review in yeah, general. We just have the World Series. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. How could we the, forget? I don't. I don't we can't know. forget the World I Series. I somehow slipped the World Series out of my mind. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you want to go for? I think I'll go ahead and give mine. Right. So, um, my World Series prediction. Um, so we saw this matchup in a World Series in 2000. So we're going to be getting it again 20 years later. And that was the only time in World Series history that the Mets and Yankees have met each other. And I think I I think it's going to happen again this year. And a lot of Mets fans that I've seen, you know, just down the street or whatever, and I say, let's go Mets too. It it seems like uh, with with the start of a new decade is also the start of new expectations. And for the most part, Mets fans have seemed pretty optimistic this year. Um, and it's because of guys like Pete Alonso and the addition of Marco Stroman and just the thought of knowing you're rotate, you're going to have really good pitching and you're going to be really good on offense because guys like Alonso and McNeil can produce. And I do think, I really do think that that super strength pitching rotation the Mets have and that pretty good bullpen that the Mets are going to end up having, that's just the kind of stuff that wins you playoff games. And it's gonna the Mets are gonna be a team that are hard to beat in the playoffs because they can score they're gonna be able to score six to seven runs and they can shut you down. So um uh, you know it's a bit biased here, but this is um and you know, once again, we don't bet at Sunshine State takes. I, we just always put I always put that out there at least. Uh but yeah, this this will be the first Florida, year, this this will be the first year uh in my life that I would be, I would put money on the Mets to win the world series. I just think their roster is that good. And then the Yankees are a given. Yeah. Um, I think this is finally the year where they get there. They they've had a lot of tough breaks, a lot of tough losses, uh, pretty much three years of heartbreak in the postseason. So this is the year they finally get over that hump uh, because there's going to be a point where they're healthy and when they're healthy, they're going to be hard to stop. Um, as for who I think wins uh, Mets in seven, I think if these two play, it would go to seven. Um, I think the combination of the Yankees being able to beat any pitching staff and uh, vice versa, the Mets pitching staff being able to shut down everyone, it would create for a pretty good series. So I got the Mets, Yankees, uh, you know, once again, a little bias thrown in there, but at, uh, at the same time, I, I am really feeling confident about the Mets this year. So that's what I got. I just love the obje- objective or objectivity of picking your team to win. The yeah. World Series. It's it's a tradition unlike any other in sports. It's right. great. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> but um, I have uh, similar. I agree that the Yankees are going to make it. Um, I do not have the Mets in uh, in the NL. I actually have the LA Dodgers. I alluded to it a bit earlier about how I believe that uh, Betts kind of push um you know gets them over that edge 
um, to be able to get back into the World Series. Um, they were there in 2018, but they um, inevitably, inevitably fell. Um, and then I so I think they get back in this season. And with the addition of Betts, I think at that time he'll um, start to uh, you know kind of build some steam, and the Dodgers will get their long-awaited um, World Series victory. So. That's yeah, uh, I could definitely see it, and that would be a good series. Yeah, um, a lot of runs scored in that one. So uh, you know, but the Dodgers and Yankees are probably just my two least favorite teams in baseball so that that would be a really (laughs) tough one to watch um so that's what we got for baseball it's going to be an interesting year uh i I think that's the most baseball i've ever talked in my life yeah we really spent a long time (laughs) on it because we just haven't talked a lot of it before so uh, that's baseball we'll 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 highlight the season as it progresses you know maybe if there are some just overall really good games or good moments uh, we'll be talking about baseball again on here, but you know it's just such a long season that yeah. uh, uh, it's not there to talk about it. Yeah. So we're gonna go ahead and move on here. Uh, yeah. Um. So you know, getting into the messy affairs of what might be the worst franchise in the NFL yeah. with the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, coming from Jacksonville, uh, we have viewers that uh, you know are, are going to be interested in this. Um, you know, maybe if we were to expand into more places, they wouldn't. I I see that we you know have a listener from Oklahoma. Yeah, uh, one from Massachusetts. I don't know if that's. Um, that might be. It, I think that might be you. Yeah. Um, but, but uh, still, we're starting to expand a little bit. But um, anyways, getting to the Jaguars and their um, their affairs of what's going on with them right now. Um, it's kind of an end of an era in Jacksonville. Um, you're seeing. Guys like Unique Ngakwe and AJ Boye starting to depart. Um, AJ Boye actually occurred uh, earlier today. We we didn't even have that prepared, and I just kind of threw something together. But to get started with Unique Ngakwe, he's a guy that uh you know over his career he's had 121 total tackles, not too flashy over four seasons, three or 37.5 sacks. It's which is uh, the the big number that pops off the page. Yeah. But the crazy thing to me was he has 14 forced fumbles since being drafted in 2016. Yeah. A lot of strip sack fumbles. And he, he's been, he has a knack for getting to the football, um, taking it out of the quarterback's hand. And, uh, you know, the Jaguars lost another good player. Yeah. Um, it, it's kind of been their uh, their mantra as of late, just losing the talent that they, uh, you know, kind of bred on their own. This is a guy that he was drafted in the Jacksonville. He's got his opportunity when Dante Fowler went out with the ACL tear. And, uh, you know, once he uh, he claimed that spot, he never looked back. Um, but instead of extending him last offseason, um, his asking price skyrocketed. He wants $22 million a year, which would make him, um, if not, I think it's the highest pay, paid uh, defensive end in the entire NFL. And, uh, you know, at this point, tagging and trading is the best option. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, if you want to, we can, uh, since we'll be already talking about quarterback situations, we can kind of rank uh, with him as well. Um Trade destinations for the, yeah. for the Jags and uh, where, where they could probably get a uh, you know solid return for him um, on next week's episode. So, um, but you know it's unfortunate it didn't work out. Um, I I don't think that uh, you should pay him that type of money. Uh, I just don't think he he's too inconsistent in the run game. He's a great pass rusher, but as a strict uh, just strictly a pass rusher, I don't think that's um, I think that's too much of him to ask for. Um, the Jaguars laid down some good. Uh, 
offers, in my opinion. I just don't think he wanted to be here. And so he's moving on. He'll get a contract yeah. somewhere else. He'll probably get that asking price from a team. I'd say like the Jets or something like that. A team yeah, that's I kind of see the Jets. A, a team that's kind of you know they uh, are willing to spend that on. They, we saw it last season in a similar situation where um, Le'Veon Bell had been franchise tagged the season before. It it, it wasn't a hundred percent, but we just saw um, a team kind of right. um, a player kind of get frustrated with their uh, situation. The Jets were willing to be that team to take that burden off the, you know, obviously it was in free agency, but this time take the burden off of him in general. So um, I think unique and Gakwai leaving is going to be kind of big for the Jags, but the addition of Josh Allen last season is going to be a big help. If we didn't have him, it'd probably be difficult to be able to um, fill that spot. Obviously you want to keep that dynamic duo together, but I don't think it's going to be as big of a drop off as it would have been um, had not, had we not drafted uh, Josh, had they not drafted, sorry, I'm getting a little fan in me, but um, had they not drafted Josh Allen last season. Um, do you have anything to say about that? It's just a shame they couldn't pay him. Yeah. You know, uh, he's, he's electric and he's good. And uh, that definitely when the Jags defense was at its best, like we saw in 2017, it was in part because uh, his ability to get to the quarterback and his ability to uh, force fumbles. And uh, he was just such an electrifying player. And I honestly, uh, when he started bringing the negativity, I think just because of his presence and who he is, it kind of uh, spread throughout that Jaguar team a little bit. Cause I just, and it's it, weird because yeah. you saw what, like even last season um, at the beginning, he wasn't, it, the negativity wasn't, right. you know, it, he wasn't a guy that brought that. He was a guy that normally seems pretty positive. And by bringing that, they, I think it kind of, the kind of foreshadow that um, his, his time with the team was coming to, the, it's inevitable. And... Yeah, so it's just a shame. But um, I, I wanted to ask you how you felt about the AJ Boye. Um, my personal opinion is, uh, I I thought it was I'm okay with it because he's getting a bit older. Uh, you know he, I think he did well, very well for the franchise in 2017 and was pretty solid 2018. And I'm not sure exactly what his uh, stats were this year, but uh, it definitely it looked like at times his age was starting to catch up to him a little bit. Yeah. I just want to know if you agree with that or have a completely different viewpoint on it. No, uh, I think that, uh, you know, letting him go is, I wouldn't say a good option, just considering there's already so many needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, um, you know, it just creates another need for this team to address in the free, ag- in free agency slash the draft. Um, I'm not 100% sold about how, um, Trey Herndon can operate on the other side of the field. So um, getting rid of AJ Boye, who's an established veteran, uh, just kind of doesn't really make sense to me. Um, despite uh, I, I do see where um, you know it frees up cap space to allow for you know some more uh, you know maybe the restructuring of Calais Campbell a little bit lower could also do that and to be able to actually get some um, big name guys to come to Jacksonville because this is a win win now year or at least it's said to be by the Jaguars front office it wouldn't be the first time they lied to their fans but um it, it's definitely uh something for uh you know to look at but um I think this definitely solidifies a defensive back at, the, at either nine or 20 um yeah. in the in the draft I think Jeff Okuda uh, I, I, Okuda and uh does Okuda see, drop to nine though is there I, any it's, chance? It's, I think there is a chance I think um all uh, all three quarterbacks have to go ahead of him um, I think a team may take a chance on Andrew Thomas, uh, the tackle out of Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna have to see at least one or two offensive tackles taken or offensive linemen taken before him, as well as um, I'd say a wide receiver. 
but I do think he could fall. Derek Brown will probably go before then as well. Um, okay. But I think the uh, you know the backup option could be C.J. Henderson. I don't know about taking him at nine. That's kind of a high thing. Maybe trade back if you can't get Jeff Okuda. Um, get you know accumulate a little bit more. They're looking to go for draft picks. They're looking to build right. through the way of uh, you know the traditional way instead of through free agency. Um, so uh, C.J. Henderson is a good option. I uh, I kind of. Thought about um, you know maybe Fulton uh, Christian Fulton out of uh, LSU at twenty. Yeah. I think that's a bit more of a risk though. Um, you know you see uh, Fulton at times. I'm just not 100 percent sold about how talented he really is. Um, but the crazy thing to me is that after a season, um, you know, as one that we just had last last year, uh, and a um, owner who said it's time to win now, um, and you know, coaching staff that realizes that. To be able to give up another guy that uh, you know has seen success in Jacksonville and has seen the um, you know has been there throughout and would have actually given you a bit of a veteran presence, you're getting rid of him as well yeah. and uh, trading him to the Broncos for just a fourth round pick. And so I, I realize that adds to the stockpile of draft picks that the Jaguars have, but just one pick for a guy that um, is not far removed from a uh, a pro bowl uh, right. i just i just don't understand the reasoning behind that and i think that it could really um, disrupt their growth as a team um the crazy thing to me is i just kind of want to read off the 2017 playoff team i'm going to read their uh, roster off so blake bortles gone uh leonard fournette's still there but not for long tommy bohannon gone alan hearn's gone marquise lee probably going to be gone mercedes lewis gone jeremy parnell gone can robinson he was a rookie that season he's entering one of his last years He's, you know, he's there, but he's not playing at a he high level. He could be gone soon. Uh, Patrick Omame, gone. Uh, Brandon Linder, he's the highest paid center in the league, but at the same time, we're seeing him, um, you know, starting to regress as, you know, he's, he's I think he's like 28 now. So right. we're starting to see him get into that range of uh, 29, 30, and that could uh, kind of lead to some problems there. AJ Can, who's been uh, the, you know, poster boy for inconsistency for years on the yeah. offensive line. So uh, Calais Campbell, he's still there. The defense is where it really, uh, you know, you just look back and say, wow, this has changed a lot. Calais Campbell is there. But then here we go. Unique Ngakwe, gone. Malik Jackson, gone. Avery Jones is there. But where did Malik think Jackson he, go? He went to Philadelphia. He got hurt in Philadelphia. He tore, I think, his abdomen. Did... Um, he went at the, to the after the 2018 season. Okay, so this was his first year yeah. not in Jacksonville. Uh, Avery Jones, uh, it's, I, I'm not 100% sold that he comes back. Paul Paz Leslie gone. Miles yeah. Jack still there. Telvin Smith gone. Jalen Ramsey gone. Will Telvin Smith come back or doubt it? I doubt. I, I think ever, he's done with football. Do you ever know why he? All, all I know is he just said he. Yeah, was he safe. just said he wanted to stop. I don't, I don't ever see him coming back to football. That stinks. I, I, yeah, I, I think that really hurt. Them. I think there's something that you know got. I just, I don't know. I don't know where his head's at. Uh, I can't really speak on it. Right. Um, but I do think that there's some issues there that, um, you know, just kind of forced him to kind of move out. Um, but like I was saying, Jalen Ramsey gone, AJ Boye gone, uh, Barry Church gone, Deshaun Gibson gone, and then our punter for that year, Brad Norman, he's gone. So we just have yeah. a bunch of inconsistency within the roster. Not a lot of you know uh, true corner pieces to be able to build off of anymore. Um, and you know we're seeing um, you know we got a guy like Chris Conley to come in on the with the wide receiver group. He played pretty well, but at the same time. Uh, he doesn't have that veteran experience. There's right. there's just guys that uh, DJ Chark, DD Westbrook, they're all young. They, we, we, there's no one that's really going to be able to lead a team to play at a high level with that young of a group. You know, uh, 
San Francisco did it pretty well this season, but I don't think San Francisco or the Jaguars have as good of a coaching staff right. as San Francisco does. So it, it's I just don't I don't understand the move to trade AJ Boye. Um, letting Yannick Ngakwe go, uh, they should be they should be mad at themselves for not extending him last season when he rightfully deserved it. Um, and it's honestly going to be uh, tough to be able to uh, get players like that back. And if uh, if they are you know if they're able to get return from them a little bit in the draft, it's not going to be as much as they could have gotten um, you know in general with keeping them. Yeah. So. Uh... Just one last question: Is is the is your discontent with the trade? Is it because you still think AJ Boye is playing at a high level, or is it just because you think he's better than what the I think Jags he, currently yeah, have? I think it's better than he's better than what the Jags currently have. I don't know about how high of a level he's playing at. I don't think he's playing at that Pro Bowl level that right. we saw him come in at. But at the same time. Why create another need right. when you have an established veteran on the other yeah, side? It's the experience. You can bring yeah. in a rookie in, you know, a good rookie in Jeff Okuda or CJ Henderson right. and pair him with a veteran, kind of let them develop a bit and then get rid of him. But to get rid of him before he even gets in there yeah. and kind of have that, uh, you know, have one of those rookies come in and despite Trey Herndon playing a little bit, those rookies kind of take over as the leader of the locker room. And it's just not a good situation for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I think they kind of botched, um, you know, they're, they're botching the only chances they had to be able to win this season. Yeah, well, at least uh, um, whatever team they'll be putting out on the field next year will be in London twice, so we yeah, don't have to see them Yeah, we don't have to see that. Yeah, it's just it's, – it's definitely tough. And uh, Foles is also on the trade market now, or at least – I'd like it if they traded Foles, though. Yeah, yeah I, I think I would too. I think at this point um, Minshew's got to be the starter. Yeah. Um, I saw people yesterday on uh, Twitter, and they were talking about how they should trade Foles in order to get a higher uh, – or they should trade their ninth and 20th pick to get a higher pick for a quarterback. And I was just like, no. Do you yeah. realize the team needs that – like a quarterback is not going to be able to do anything with this roster. So yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a tough time to be a Jaguars fan. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, we're going to get into a league that we enjoy talking about – or. Hold well, on. speaking of contracts, yeah, we um, got one more you know, thing. We we're talk we're about. just gonna talk about, uh, you know, the who is my favorite announcer in the game right now, and that's Tony Romo getting Tony the bag. Romo. He was able to secure a hundred eighty million dollar contract, and you know, there's some players that uh, have expressed their discontent with doing with him getting that. Um, they are kind of upset that he's getting paid a lot more than a bunch of players in the NFL. But I think the thing that they don't realize is that the real money opportunities come outside of football. Yeah. Football isn't supposed to be where you get all your money. You're supposed to be able to do it. Like, look at Shaq right now. He's retired, but he is everywhere. You see yeah. him on commercials for if – you, if you, there's a commercial, Shaq's probably in it. Right. So he's making his opportunities outside of the game of basketball. That can be done the same way for football, but players aren't utilizing their platform to be able to go out and get those opportunities, and they're getting upset about it. Um, I just don't. I, I think it's kind of ridiculous to get mad because someone else is, uh, you know, got theirs. They they got what they uh, rightfully deserved. And you know, when you're the best at something, which I think Tony yeah. Romo is, you get paid like the yeah, best. And this no. is actually what happened. I was so it, it was a very good move by CBS yes. to lock down Romo lock down. because I think Romo and Nance just work together really yeah. well too. And um, you even said it way back. Romo's a guy, or maybe you said it about Nance. Nance is a guy that if you put in the booth with anyone, they'll do well. Yeah. 
So uh, I, I don't know if that's part of uh, what's helped out Romo, but Romo's been very entertaining and has cl- uh, climbed the ranks pretty quickly yeah. in the announcing world. So yeah. One thing that uh, I definitely um, want to shut down is the people saying, oh, people don't watch games for announcers. I guarantee you if your game isn't playing, you're going to be, oh, Tony Romo's commentating right now. I'm going to go watch him call yeah, plays before they happen. I've done that. So it, 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 it plays a factor for real, you know, real fans to be able to go and watch uh, already exciting game because they one they have the primetime game and two they are you know one of the best duos or Tony's one of the best yeah. guys at uh you know just dissecting the game you really feel you know a connection and you get to see that mind of a former quarterback at work in the booth so right. um, all I have to say is congrats Tony um you know I think he deserves it and um hopefully I can get there someday <laughs> yeah no, for sure that would that would be awesome uh uh, yeah, no, t- uh, I'm I'm happy he he's there. He's very good, and I, dude, I, I watch games for announcers. I mean, yeah, part of the reason I, I watch Sunday Night Football, even when the Patriots aren't on, it is because uh, oh, Al Michaels, Michaels and Chris, Chris Collinsworth. Collinsworth. I, I honestly, I never want to miss the Chris Collinsworth slide. Sometimes <laughs> I do, but I try not to. Um, we're gonna go ahead and get into the XFL real quick before we take another break. We have a small thing we want to touch on related to this league and it's uh the dc defenders who uh looked like they were going to be the best team in the league after yeah. two weeks have really just started to stumble uh what's been happening here uh, i think they've you know it's been uh road struggles yeah they've taken a tumble on the road um you know i think um i'm gonna have to say i think i made a mistake you yeah. know uh, my former vipers just absolutely put it on the defenders but um that doesn't. I, I, it doesn't really matter. I, I'm fine with that. Um, so, but the defenders, you know, they they looked really good at home. Um, they return home this weekend to take on a laser hot Battlehawks team yeah. who was only lost to the. Uh, I'm pretty sure is the Roughnecks in week yep. two. So, um, you know, it, it could be a big opportunity. That for was them a to pretty bounce. competitive game. Yeah, too, could, I'm yeah. Pretty sure. The Battlehawks might be the second best team in the league right now. Yeah, they're um, off to a great start. Yeah, with uh, Matt Jones. Um, you know, in that running back group, go Gators. Um, but I definitely do think that the defenders um, have a, a struggle on the road. Their home games have looked like they are a completely different team. Um, they return home after a two-game road stretch. And um, like I said, this could be a uh, – they, they, they look to get a much-needed win after yeah. a struggle. Uh, they struggled with two, two consecutive weeks on the road against the Wildcats yeah. and the Vipers respectively. Um, so a, a defenders team we saw at the beginning of the year looking as if they were going to kind of run the table of, of sorts, you know, kind of compete yeah. up there with the uh, Houston Roughnecks. Um, they fall on the two and two and they've kind of solidified yeah. themselves as a team that can win at home. Um, but you know, they, uh, die on the road. So, yeah. Uh, so in week three, they lost 39 to nine at LA and then 25, nothing at Tampa on Sunday. So yeah. that, they were outscored 64, nine in those past two games. Yeah. So, they not only have they lost, they've just been uncompetitive. Yeah. They haven't it haven't even shown up. And part I think part of the issue here is really it's been on the performance of Cardell Jones yeah. against LA. 13 to 26, 103 yards, four interceptions, a 20.7 rating. And then versus Tampa Bay, nine to 22, 72 yards, one interception. He cut uh, the interceptions down, but he still just wasn't able to complete the ball like we no. saw at the beginning of the season. Yeah, for sure. 72 yards, 30.9 rating. 
Uh, and so I, I, I bunched them together. Yeah. Uh, 22 of 48, which is 45% completion percentage, 175 yards, five interceptions. And I'm not sure if this is how you actually do this, but I just added up these passer ratings and divided them. So an average of 25.8 rating over the past two games. So uh, yeah, it's been lackluster and that's, definitely been in i mean you yeah. gave, you've given up 39 points you've given up 25 and you go scoreless on the yeah. road against a vipers team who has looked pitiful all yeah. season yeah they, ha- they have looked terrible yeah. and i just think it, it, you look at it and you think what happened to the team that was lighting it up in week ones and right. week one and two yeah so uh um, well it's still a long season yeah. it's the first season so uh you know, we don't know where it goes from here. From the, XFL. the XFL is unpredictable it's right a little bit now. Of everything. It's kind of like, you know, like the Wildcats started getting hot, but then the Wildcats lost to the Guardians this weekend. And shout like out the, to the Guardians. Shout out to the Guardians. Uh, Luis, let's keep Luis Perez a quarterback. I like Luis Perez. I thought he was – he looked promising in the AAF and kind of just got stripped of an opportunity. So I, I'd like to see him be, keep being the starter. He's 1-0 as a starter, so might as well yeah. stick with the – Guy who's I don't know Matt McGloin was pretty solid. I don't want anything to do with him. Uh, I w- I would be fine if if they could get a good rotation going with Luis Perez and uh, Marquise Williams, where they kind of use Marquise Williams for some more trick type plays and yeah. uh, you know some of the plays that require the quarterback to be a bit more athletic, um, mobile. Yeah, because Luis Perez isn't exactly the most mobile. Uh, I, I think he has a pretty good arm. Yeah, and you know. Maybe have Williams. I, I don't know. I just think there's some interesting things the Guardians could do at the quarterback position that don't involve Matt McGloin. So uh, that's that. Shout out to the Guardians. Uh, we'll see what DC does against the Battle Hawks this week. It should be a good game. Yeah. Uh, I think we're going to get into another break here and close this show out with some ESPN storylines. Yeah, sounds good. All right, let's get into it. up our final segment here on sunshine state takes our 12th episode today matt uh you know we kind of got started in uh yeah. mid-october or mid-december december. december sorry i don't uh, know why it's we've october. hit march I'm now i'm thinking baseball october world series stuff like that yeah. but um yeah we're in march now and uh we're gonna finish up with some espn storylines and matt he was uh, alluded to earlier a uh a pretty interesting thing about the cubs and anthony rizzo yeah. Um, he wanted to talk about it a bit, and so we're going to get into it now since uh, you know, we kind of skipped over the MLB. Um, you know, When we were talking about MLB, yeah. we kind of skipped over it. So what would you have to say about that, Matt? Uh, so there was this mic'd up segment that uh, they had like Chris Bryant and Anthony yeah. Rizzo mic'd up during the spring training game yesterday. And Chris Bryant was in an 0-2 count, so zero balls, two strikes, and he took the pitch. It, it was low and outside, and uh, this game was on ESPN, by the way. And so Anthony Rizzo on deck asks the announcers, uh, he said, where was that on pitch tracker? And the, so it, I'll, I'll get to it. I'll, I'll tell the rest of the story first. So Anthony Rizzo goes, where was that ball on pitch tracker? And there's three announcers in the booth. They're like, it was a ball. No. Yeah, it was a ball. It was a ball. And Anthony Rizzo was like, okay, all right, just making sure. And I, I one of the announcers goes, it's actually called K-Zone. And Anthony Rizzo goes, K-Zone, that's what it's called? And uh, the announcer goes, yeah, whatever. And so uh, what I found to be so funny about that is the K-Zone on ESPN, 
like the, so ESPN really does Sunday night baseball and uh, they'll usually air a game uh, like on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And uh, they have K zone on their broadcast, which just, um, you know, at least me and my family, uh, when we watch the Mets games on ESPN, uh, we get very frustrated because uh, we think the K zone's a little inaccurate and we just think the broadcast in general, like is it, we don't think it's a very good uh, broadcasting of the game of baseball. Um, we don't really like watching the Mets on national TV much in general. We like their local station because we're really fond of their announcers. Yeah. Um, but so just in general, ESPN is just uh, like you know the broadcast we hate just a bit more than the others. So when Anthony Rizzo, I feel that. When it's it, yeah, the same for Monday Night Football. The, yeah, exactly. It's like that. <laughs> yeah. uh, you you just don't. Um, I, I don't think I, I hate um, Monday Night Football as much as I would Sunday Night ba- Baseball, honestly, because. Um, I like Joe Tessitore. Sometimes it seems like the Sunday night baseball announcers don't like the Mets a little bit, and it angers us. So um, it was SEC on CBS yeah. with the Gators. It was really <laughs> funny because uh, Riz, I, at least the way I saw it is Rizzo was taking a little shot at ESPN's K Zone, trying to call it inaccurate because he he said, "Oh, K Zone, that's what it's called." Like you know, like he yeah. did. It, so I thought that was a pretty funny thing that I heard yesterday. I sent it to like my dad and my brothers. And I'm like, did Rizzo just take a shot here? Because uh, me personally, I think it's uh, I don't I don't think it's very accurate. So I thought that was funny that Rizzo did that. Um, one last thing, uh, I think we should say this to the audience as well. Just a little idea that I'm thinking of, okay. kind of instead of just going through like headlines at the end of these shows, um, you know. Because what I just said was kind of along the lines of like, what was your favorite thing you saw today? Which yeah. I guess is kind of like a, what's so on your mind? SVP. But that's a cool way Scott to end. Scott the best yeah. thing I saw today. Yeah, that's like I think that would be a cool way we could start ending our shows okay. here. Like a cool thing we saw and just like you know maybe a little funny sports clip or something. You know, I, yeah. I, we definitely talk about that. But uh, fans, let us know. Would you rather have us just review some headlines or rather? Uh, I think I think hear, that'd be good. It'd be kind yeah. of a thing to send them out on. Yeah, and, kind and, of just like me. You know, maybe. Uh, yeah, like a funny, I like yeah. That. I like so that. we'll see. Uh, fans, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what you want us to do because that's what uh, matters most to us, making sure you guys are enjoying what uh, we're putting out. We'll be back next week with a big episode. Uh, where does Tom Brady go in free agency? Does he stay? Is he going to be a Charger? Is he going to be a Raider? Is he going to be a Buck? Is he going to be an L.A. Laker? Who knows? He could go anywhere. <laughs> is he going to uh, be on the do, Astros? Tom, <laughs> do Tom Brady and LeBron link forces? Find out next week on Sunshine State Takes. We'll see you later. Let's see. Goodbye. <laughs>